This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Mike Lynch. And we're here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays exploring the big money issues in the world of sports, talking to some of the biggest players in the industry. First of all, welcome back, Mr. Barr. Really good to have your voice on the line again. Nice to be had, gentlemen. All right. Well, we hope you had some nice time off. Sports really kept rocking and rolling while you were gone. I'm sure you were watching (laughs) a lot of it. Let's break down some of the things we've been seeing. One of the things we've been seeing, we've been seeing a lot of sports. And college football, I feel like... I keep wanting to say, if you told us X back in whenever, I think if you told us we would have essentially college football more or less either back up and running or about to be back up and running, if you told us that in July, none of us would have believed it. Right, Lynchy? Uh, absolutely correct. Uh, that schools were just paranoid. University presidents were making decisions, uh, painful decisions, economic decisions, and it just didn't look like it had any chance of, of happening. But here it is now, and... A couple other schools are playing follow the leader. Yeah. What do you make of it? Are you surprised, Barr? Uh, yes. And <laughs> by the way, if, if you heard me screaming uh, last uh, over the weekend, that's uh, because I was uh, checking out the Texas, Texas Tech game. Yeah. That game, it went into overtime. Uh, <laughs> the final score is 63 to 56. And it was exciting football, just wild football. Uh, on the college level, it was it was something to see. I did not think we would see anything like this, like you said, back in June or July. Yeah, I I have to say I'm really of a couple minds about it. On the one hand, I love college football. I'm really happy to see them playing. I certainly have been watching some of it. I am not watching as much as I normally would be. I fully concede that, and I don't know whether it's because. The game's a little bit different without all the fans. You know, no college game day or not the college game day that we're used to seeing. There's not that, you know, Saturdays are for the boys kind of vibe that we normally get. Certainly where I'm from down south, there's excitement, obviously, but it's just not there in the same way, at least for me. I do think part of it is all the sports that are being played right now, I've never had to be distracted by the NBA finals happening in September. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's sort of bananas to to just get your arms around. We'll talk about that in a second. But one of the things that I did want to sort of raise to you guys was this notion that the Pac-12, which was the holdout, they finally came in and they said, listen, this wasn't a discussion about money, which Mm. I am calling, as my dad would say, Dowdies. Like, of course it's about money. I mean, seriously, Lynchy. I mean, come on. I know. I, I read that. The Oregon president said that money was no factor at all. And I went, seriously? Yeah. I mean, I think each team in the Pac-12, I started to do a little math there, gets roughly $30 million, I think, for, 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 from their football contract. They split up almost $350 million. So money was definitely a factor. Pressure was another factor, too. Yeah. They could not be one of the Power Five conferences not competing. Uh, to think it would do to recruiting. Um, 
competing uh, legitimacy of your football program, and they wouldn't be eligible for the bowl championship playoff that uh, is going to come in January. It also strikes me, Barr, that we have seen in all of this decision-making real evidence that (laughs) at least when it comes to college football, and I had a discussion about this uh, in the last couple weeks, The NCAA is kind of an afterthought. It's really the conferences that are running the show. It's the college presidents that are running the show. And the NCAA, at least when it comes to college football, they're kind of taking a backseat to to all of this. They have never been weaker when it comes to college football than what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I want to answer that. But I I just uh, doubties. Uh, My father (laughs) called it something else, but we need a seven-second delay. But but you're you're exactly right. And and the control belongs to the conferences now. And I think what really tipped the whole thing all over uh, where the final straws uh, came uh, and and fell – uh, is when the Big Ten came in. Yeah. They said, "Look, we we mm-hmm. got a we're missing out on a lot." So that forced the Pac-12s and and uh, there you go. And but you're right, the conferences they're really controlling the show. Yeah, you've got the the Sun Belt is back in, the MAC yeah. is back in, yeah. Conference yeah. USA is back in, and I read something when I was doing a little research for this of all the F I don't know FBS they changed the the the, the abbreviations every single year. But anyway, of all the F, FBS schools, only three are not playing football. UConn, Old Dominion, and New Mexico State, every other FBS team in the country is now back playing football in some form and a limited schedule. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I think more than any other sport, probably college football, there will be asterisks everywhere around this because mm-hmm. once we get to the playoffs, as you alluded to earlier, um, you know, the bowl championship series, you're going to have some teams that will have played six games. You're going to have other teams that have played 10 or 12 games. I, you know, the even just looking at the rankings every week, that's a mess. So I just don't see. I mean, we debate furiously, sports fans out there, in normal times, you know, how this team is ranked out of that team and strength of schedule and things like that. A pandemic just throws it all out the window. Um they're not playing in bubbles. Uh, we know that to be true, and obviously testing will continue to be an issue, and we'll see about a second wave and college campuses and all that. But meanwhile, the bubble experiment, we've got a maximum of seven games to go, maybe four or five if you believe uh, uh, what Lakers fans are saying. Down in Orlando, the NBA Finals are set, and I'm sorry, Lynchy, that the Celtics didn't make it. That was that was tough to watch over the weekend, I have to say. I know. That was, uh, at, you know, Friday night, and then the Celtics win, and then on Sunday night, the the heat just kept coming and coming. And yeah. I, I, actually, I, I, I would be would be receiving all kinds of abuse from both of you guys if the Celtics were in another NBA Finals, another yes. Boston team in the championship game. So there has a silver lining there. But, you know, we talked with Steve Paliuka last Thursday, one of the Celtics owners, about the bubble. And he, we asked him what his day was like down at the bubble. And basically is that they, they put him through a car wash before he got into the yeah. – uh, to, to didn't get into the arena and was behind plexiglass and basically it's almost like prison. You know, you you can have a, you can see the coach and tap on the window, but you can't you can't talk with them. So the bubble theory has worked so far. Knock on wood. And here we go. We've got uh, a, an upcoming uh, upset-minded team, the Miami Heat, and you've got LeBron and the mighty Lakers waiting for them. And you know, I didn't think I'd be watching NBA Finals uh, when, when a time of year when NBA training camps are usually up and starting, but. 
but you know it, it's been good and it's been a good product too i think I think it's been a really good product. The ratings have been very good. You know, obviously the revenue is, a, is I was going to say, a little bit different. It's a lot different uh, without fans. I mean, one of the things uh, Paliuka told us, Barr, was that, you know, they are definitely hoping to have fans in the stands by the time the next season starts. Obviously the season is going to start later, probably not until after the first of the year. I think there is a real resistance to going back to the bubble, and yet, I just don't know where we're going to be come the come the turn of the year. I think COVID has changed the landscape all over the place. I mean, the way we go out to, to gatherings, the way we're going to watch sports as fans, I, I just wonder how long it's going to take before you have the old packed stadium or the packed yeah. arena uh, to watch a basketball game or, or to watch a football game. Uh, it's... I just don't see that happening soon. Now, having said that, and I apologize if I'm going out on a limb here, the governor of Florida wants to have a packed stadium for the Super Bowl yeah. in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Tampa Bay. And I, I just don't know how that's going to work out. Uh, but getting back to basketball, we hope that maybe next year – we can have some fans in the stands. Right. Uh, all right. So before we move on to the topic we really want to talk with Michael Barr about, that's NASCAR. Uh, give me your finals prediction, Lynchy. The Lakers will win in six. Barr? Lakers in five. I'm going Lakers in five as well. I think they're going to continue their streak of gentlemen's sweeps um, through the playoffs. They are really, really good, and there's lots with your fellow Bostonia, I've been listening to Bill Simmons talk a lot about uh, what's been going on, and obviously he's heartbroken like you are, Lynchy, about the Celtics, but what he has laid out even statistically about LeBron and AD, I think it's just insurmountable for any team. And if you watch LeBron James in that Game 5, I mean, that was really something to behold on Saturday night. Well, he's the Michael Jordan of this generation, um, and he can dominate a game from uh, on both ends of the court, defensively and offensively. Do, enjoy this Miami Heat team. It's yeah. it's a fun team to watch. They have about eight guys who can contribute at any time. And how about Eric Spolstra? They take his big three away. He wins, you know, a couple of back-to-back NBA titles uh, uh, with the, with the th- three guys with when LeBron was down there, and they completely ripped the team apart. Yep. And he still. Still kept his job, and now look what he's done. He's back in the NBA Finals with a completely brand-new cast of characters. Yeah, interesting. And, you know, Pat Riley, who knew? I mean, unbelievable. So there are a lot of good storylines. We'll certainly be following them, and, you know, not the least of which is, as you alluded to, the the GOAT debate will really kick up a notch if uh, if LeBron is able to get that fourth ring. All right. uh, Speaking of the GOAT, Michael Jordan. This was huge news, and I was looking near and far for you, uh, Michael Barr, because I wanted your take on this. Bubba Wallace is going to drive for Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. It's a new – it's a whole new game in some ways. This is a huge deal. Oh, my goodness. My my son, who is my oldest son, and he's a, a NASCAR fanatic just like I am, he called me up. Dad, did you hear the news about Michael Jordan? I said, oh, wait, they did it? And and I and I have now it's like I had to run and see, you know, the whole story. I I remember when Bubba Wallace was offered a piece of the Richard Petty Motorsports mm-hmm. team. 
And at first I thought it was going to go down, and then he said, well, I want to weigh my options. And I'm thinking, well, Bubba, wait, what, <laughs> a piece of a team is like you're weighing the options, and you, get, you have the king there is what – and all of a sudden, you see this. It's like, oh, I see what you did there, Wiley, man. Because, it, I mean, this had been in the works apparently way back in 2006. Yeah. Uh, and this is uh, when uh, you would see Michael Jordan. He would come to the racetrack sometimes. And, you know, you heard the chatter of this and that going on. And But I did not see this coming about. And uh, this is great. I think it's great for the sport. I think you have a big crossover, just like there was another crossover with Joe Gibbs Racing, yeah. who was huge uh, in, you know, obviously Washington football lore about, you know, winning championships, whatever. So now you have another player from another sport coming into NASCAR. And quite frankly, it will definitely help the exposure to have more African-Americans watch this sport. Because I'm sure now, so, oh, wait, Michael Jordan's in this yeah. thing. People are going to tune in now to see NASCAR more, and hopefully the audience will grow, and hopefully we can put behind all the controversy and stuff that's been going on, and let's get down to racing. It's a big deal, Lynchy. Absolutely. Uh, the timing is perfect for obvious reasons. Um Michael Jordan isn't just some nameless uh, billionaire. It's Michael Jordan coming in. Right. Uh, Jordan obviously, obviously has an itch for attention that needs to be scratched uh, every now and then. But, you know, good for him. And, uh, you know, he's a native of North Carolina, which is basically the home of NASCAR. And uh, this is a, a gigantic step to make this sport more inclusive. And the timing is just perfect. I love this story. And uh, I'm a big NASCAR fan myself. Uh, I go up, to, I've been up to Loudoun in New Hampshire a couple of times. And, and I left there going, wow, this is really something. And if we can get more people, um, more diverse, a diverse audience, uh, I say a double thumbs up for this story. Love it. One of the things that strikes me as, as among the most interesting storylines here is that, and, and clearly there are a number of catalysts. I think what we have seen across the country when it comes to a reckoning uh, with racial injustice and, and racial inequality, and the sports world really coming to the fore, I think you look at that. I think you look at the last dance in some ways. I think it has pushed Michael Jordan into the spotlight in many ways. He was instrumental uh, as far as we can tell, and I think this has been well reported in getting the players back on the court on that fateful day yeah. uh, last month or earlier this month uh, when the Milwaukee Bucks led a walk-off and the entire NBA shut down uh, in protest. This is a new guy in many ways, and I think we have seen the emergence of Michael Jordan sort of later in his career now as an incredibly powerful corporate voice in many ways. He's a dealmaker at this point, and I don't think we necessarily expected to see that. And I think, to your point, Barr, if he can end up really – turning NASCAR into a much more widely digested, widely viewed, and widely followed sport. I mean, that's a game changer in a way and, and really could cement his his legacy in a much more multidimensional way, I think. Oh, yeah. I, and I apologize if I, I put this 
in in a, in the wrong way. You can go out and and of course when you protest, you you you're trying to to say something and you're trying to get a point across. You really want to change something? Do what Michael Jordan just did. He is now an owner in NASCAR. Yeah. The whole landscape is going to change. You 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 got to respect this guy for for one, he's got a car and he's got Denny Hamlin, Bubba Wallace, two known drivers in this sport. And and he is going to bring and this is the part a lot of people aren't talking about. He is going to bring sponsorship to yeah. that team. Right. And a lot of sponsors to other cars because there's going to be a lot of camera focus on the car that uh, Bubba Wallace is going to drive. Yeah. So let me I, ask you this, Michael Bart. Will, will will he, the car be the 23 car? It's got to be the 23 car. It's got to be the 23 <laughs> car. It's got now, to. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the merchandise sales with a 23 oh, car? Huh? I, I'll be right there, right in the front row. Is <laughs> like, heck. What, and I was thinking about it. It's like, you know, he could get that number easy because, I mean, 24 you can't because that's, you know, that's with the Hendrick team. Now, NASCAR does dole out the, the numbers, but there's a gentleman's agreement. But the 23, he could get that in a minute. That, that number's never been popular. Now he's, now he's, he's got this up. Oh, it's the 23. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see it, and I think we are, uh, as I said, this is, this is a catalytic moment for NASCAR, and I dare say a catalytic moment for Michael Jordan as a businessman. All right, I'm so glad we got to talk to you about uh, that bar because I was itching I was itching to do it, so glad we could catch up on that. All mm-hmm. right, you can catch our podcast right here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'm Jason Kelly. Follow me on Twitter at Jason Kelly News. Vroom, vroom, gentlemen, start your engines. I'm Mike Lynch, <laughs> and you can follow me at LynchyWCBB. <laughs> Mondays, Mondays, and I'm Michael Barr at Big Bar Sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.